Are you thinking about starting your first business? It can feel overwhelming and it's too easy to focus on the wrong things. In this podcast episode, I'm going to talk about 10 things you can forget about, 10 things to obsess about, and 10 things you must do to create a functional business that won't get you in trouble. I'm Larry Cornette, and this is Invincible Solopreneurs. So this is a, a newsletter called Unlock Success, 30 Essential Tips for Creating Your New Business, issue number 33. If you want to read it, you can go to newsletter.invinciblesolopreneurs.com. So... I talk with many folks who are interested in quitting their nine to five jobs and launching their own businesses. They look for helpful information online, like the small business administration. There's all kinds of online articles about being an entrepreneur and starting a business, but um, they frequently recommend many activities that aren't that important when you're first starting. In fact, spending too much time on them is such a waste of energy that it jeopardizes your success. And when you're starting a business, especially if you're going to do it on the side while you're still employed, you do not have a lot of free time. You don't have a lot of time to waste. You really need to be focused on the essential things are going to make you successful. Many years ago, I joined an entrepreneurial community. I was trying to learn more about starting a business, marketing, doing ads on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn, things like that. Just really trying to learn everything I could. And everyone in the community was excited, energetic, and bursting with cool business ideas. They had so many ideas for their business. Unfortunately, people love to spend too much time on the fun parts of designing and defining a new business. I'm going to talk about some of those later. They focus on those activities so much that they don't spend enough time on the fundamentals that will make or break the business. For example, a cool logo is fun to design. Hey, I used to be a designer. It's a lot of fun to explore logo designs. But it won't keep your business alive if your customers aren't happy. Several years later, one of my friends from that community, and I've stayed friends with quite a few people from that community. She remarked, I think we're the only ones still in business, at least with our original ideas. And she was right. Most of the businesses had already failed and vanished. They were gone. A few people had shut down their original business idea and maybe even a couple of more business ideas because we've stayed in touch over the years. 
and they moved on to something new. You know, it took a few different tries, but they finally got something to work. Uh, unfortunately, many folks went back or they stayed in their nine to five jobs. It just didn't work. Um, so let's talk about a few of those things that I have found people focusing on at the wrong time. There are 10 things I'm going to share that I think you can just forget about when you're starting your new business, your new business, at least for now. Um, I'm going to make a note here. There is a big difference between a virtual business, like many of the businesses I've had, like career coaching, leadership coaching, and a physical business. Retail stores, restaurants, bars, auto repair, hair salons, stuff like that. You know, brick and mortar businesses. For example, some of the items I'm going to share can be put off for the future when you're running a consulting business online. You can deal with it later. But if you have a physical business, you must deal with them before you can even open your storefront. I know that. I uh, have worked with people who own physical businesses, brick and mortar. I have not run one myself, I guess, probably since I was a kid. <laughs> you know, I have uh, little businesses in the real world. And there's a reason for that. I mean, that's one of the reasons I love being a solopreneur who works in kind of information technology, knowledge business. I don't need a storefront. You know, I don't need any physical place for people to come work with me or buy from me. It's kind of nice. So will some of these things be necessary for every business at some point? Sure. Some of them are necessary to address in a growing company later. <laughs> but some of them are still just not that important for solopreneurs. So it is a waste of time and energy to even focus on them before your business is off the ground. So let me dive into those. Number one, which is going to surprise you. Number one, your business name. Do you know how much time people waste thinking through business names. I mean, I used to do this too. It's, it is fun. It's fun to come up with business names and try to figure out, is that interesting? Does it intrigue people? Is it easy to spell? Does it describe what I'm going to be doing with my business? Would it attract the right kind of customers? Is it available? Is it already copyrighted? Is the website domain available? Is the Twitter social handle available? All kinds of stuff. There's a lot. You could waste so much time on your business name. And I'm here to tell you in the very early days of your business, it's not that important. Unless you're going to be doing a physical retail business and you have to name your bar, for example, which you kind of do before you can open. If it's an online business, you can wait a little while. If it's a consulting business, which is one of the ones I recommend all the time for solopreneurs, trans, basically translating what you've done as an employee into a business offering, which is a lot of what I've done. I had a business designing software as my first business. 
I've been a strategy consultant for companies and startups around product and design strategy. I'm a career coach. I'm a leadership coach, business coach. When you're first starting your business name, if you want to make sure you can just claim it and you don't have to worry about even a DBA and things like that, just use your own name. You know, I've done Cornet Consulting. You could do Smith Advisory Services, you know, whatever it is. Here's the thing. You're going to want to change your name. <laughs> uh, I've had this happen so many times where it seemed like the perfect name. Pick the name, put it out there, started consulting and working with people. And over a period of sometimes months, sometimes a year or so, my business would shift. That's what happens. You figure out what's working, what's not working, what you're enjoying doing for your business what's resonating with customers and how people are thinking about it. And as you evolve your business, the old name suddenly doesn't make sense anymore. And now you have to come up with a new name. Uh, I did that. There was a period of time I was looking at calling my career coaching a bulletproof career, which made a lot of sense to me. I was excited. I was thinking about the branding and I was using that language for a little while before I actually changed the name or even bothered with getting a trademark and things like that. And I got some feedback and it was actually really good. And they said, you know, that's a pretty violent name that evokes imagery of violence and guns and bullets. Is that really what you want? You want to use the word bulletproof? Is that going to work internationally? And they were right. As I was testing, I realized this name wasn't working with a lot of people, even though I had fallen in love with it. And so I, I'm glad I didn't move forward with it, but that's the kind of thing that can happen. It's going to take time to get the right business name figured out. So don't worry about it on day one, unless you don't, unless you, unless you don't have to, you might have to with some businesses. The other thing is your business structure. So there's sole proprietorships, which is the easiest. There's LLC, which is what I have full-blown corporations, partnerships, things like that. And in the very early days, it's so much easier just to start with a sole proprietorship because you don't know how things are going to evolve and change. I operated for many years as a sole proprietor long before I decided to form an LLC. Uh, the other thing is your logo. Gosh, People spend so much time designing the logo for their business. And logo design is hard work. It is really hard to design a great logo that works at all kinds of sizes and all kinds of different environments on print and on websites and on mobile apps, billboards, you name it. Adver uh, advertisements that you'll see in magazines, you know, on ads on Google and Facebook. Logos are hard. And people spent so much time designing a logo for a business that eventually failed. And they spent money. They spent ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars on a logo that they essentially threw away. It doesn't matter. You can address this later. If you even need a logo, you may not need a logo. I designed my own logo, my actually all my logos. <laughs> and I'm not a great designer. I'm not even a real visual designer. I'm an interaction designer. I did it myself. Did it cost me any business? I mean, who knows? Maybe it did. But uh, I built a six-figure consulting business with my own logo that I designed because nobody cared. They just wanted to work with me. They cared about what I could do for them. 
Related to that, number four, your branding elements. People will spend way too much time on their brand colors, their fonts, you know, the kind of typography they want to use, other kind of stuff they want to put on their website and things like that. It doesn't matter yet. <clears throat> Wait until you have it figured out. Wait until you've figured out your customer and your products and your services. Uh, number five, professional photos. People spent hundreds or thousands of dollars on getting professional headshot photos done to put on their website. Hey, I'm the owner of this website or I'm the owner of this business. My daughter took my pictures. She's a great photographer, by the way, <laughs> but my daughter did my headshot photos and my first photos, my wife took, and we just did it on the back deck. Good enough. Good enough. I spent $0 on my headshot photos for my website and for my social media profiles. Don't, this is a rule of thumb I have. Don't be spending a lot of money until you're making a lot of money. Too many people spend a ton of money before they've earned a dime, before they've sold a single thing. Don't do that. Number six, a fancy website. Very related. People will spend 10, 20, up to $50,000 on a website. And I think very little of my business, for example, comes through my website. I do have a website. It's nice to be able to send people someplace when they say, hey, can I learn more about you here? Go check out my website. Most of my business comes through my writing and my marketing. You know, I have an email newsletter. I use LinkedIn and Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, things like that. A lot of business comes through that and referrals. <clears throat> a lot of my business comes through referrals. So it's not my website. I'm so glad I, I made my own website. It's just WordPress. Pretty straightforward. There are so many really cheap or even free solutions out there for a website that are good enough to get your business out there. Number seven, business cards and letterhead and stuff like that. Uh, maybe a physical business might use some of these, but you probably do not need it. I have hundreds of business cards sitting right in front of me on my desk here that I will probably never use. What a waste, right? I didn't spend much money on them. I use them when I speak at events and stuff like that, but not necessary. Absolutely not necessary. Don't spend a lot of money on this when you're just getting started. Number eight, prematurely scaling your business. This is exciting. I know it's fun. I did this work for my startup. I kind of had to, but getting this huge business model created that's looking at how do I turn this into a $50 million business and have thousands of products and services and employees and all this stuff. And we're going to be in every country. It's fun. It's exciting. It's not going to help you in the early days. Really focus on doing something simple, selling one service, one product to an ideal customer really well. Nail that. Be profitable, be able to repeat that business, be growing. And then at some point, and I've talked about this, it is important to have a portfolio of revenue streams. Scale later. Don't worry about it now. Number nine, hiring employees. Super expensive. Every company, that's why there's all these layoffs. Every company will tell you their biggest expense is headcount. Employees are really expensive in terms of salary and benefits and time and all the stuff that goes along with having a team. Don't do it. 
Do not hire employees unless you have to. You're running a physical business and you want to hire a bartender or whatever it might be. You might have to do that. Most of you do not need to hire employees. There's probably work you could get done by getting a contractor to do it, whatever it might be if you need it. Be very slow to hire because it surely is not fun, I can tell you, to have to let people go later if things aren't going well. And number 10, being popular on social media, trying to get all those likes and follows and engagement. It is a channel. I do use them. But it is way more important to get high engagement from the right people versus tons of love and affection and likes and all that stuff that doesn't turn into revenue. If you're not getting people through your funnel to purchase and buy, there's no point. And there are so many successful business owners that have a very limited or non-existent social media presence. One of the most famous authors in the world who just recently passed away, Cormac McCarthy, didn't waste any of his time on social media. He barely did interviews. I think he did an interview with Oprah once. He was too busy just writing, doing what he does well, and that's what you should be doing as a business owner too. Don't worry so much about social media in the early days. Many of these things are simply putting the cart before the horse. I mean, too many people waste their precious time and money when they can least afford to spend them. You have very little or no revenue coming in and you're putting money into this stuff. Don't do it. You know, my first business, as I mentioned, I had a paying client already signed up, already hired me before I even had a business name. I had no domain. I didn't have a website. I didn't have a business email address. I had nothing. And I was already up and running and making money. My second business, I operated profitably for many, many years before I finally said, I guess I'm going to keep doing this because I, <laughs> I was kind of like, oh, I'm going to do this a little bit and I'll probably go and get a job. And the longer it went on and the years went by, I was like, I guess I'm never going to go back to work for somebody. I'm just going to keep running my business. Maybe I should form an LLC. And I finally did it. Didn't do it in the early days. Uh, one of my favorite local bakers used all the lean practices and, and created his business the right way. He creates these gluten-free pastries and breads and other treats. And he's been slowly growing his business over the past few years. I, I watched him launch from almost nothing. And while many other businesses were struggling and they died during the pandemic, he thrived. He didn't make the mistake I see many small business owners make because they dive right in. I see this all the time with local cafes and restaurants. They spend a ton of money on the storefront. They spend a ton of money remodeling the space before they even open. There are some that have done this and went out of business before they even opened their doors. He does all of his baking out of the home kitchen. It's certified under the cottage food law that's monitored by the California Department of Health. He doesn't have a storefront. You know, he doesn't run a physical bakery, no retail space. He has no employees. It's just him. He started by delivering baked goods to your door. And we had him deliver wonderful baked goods to our home during the pandemic. And it was amazing. And he'd bring it right to our door. And then he started partnering with local coffee shops, cafes, and restaurants, and they offer his treats in their retail space. So it's not his space, it's theirs. He caters, 
caters and holds events at wineries. He's been doing a bunch of winery events, but it's in their venues. So it's a win-win. It brings people in for the wine and his uh, wonderful pastries. His business is growing, thriving, and he's slowly expanding into more products when he knows customers want them. And he's perfected the recipe. He's always asking what we want. He does surveys and posts and he says, what do you want? How do you feel about this? If you had to pick one of these five, what would you do? He doesn't waste time and money creating something he doesn't think customers will love. So don't focus on the wrong things when you're starting your business. There will be time to reevaluate and deal with them later, but there's more important things that you should obsess about now. I want to talk about those 10 things. Number one, your ideal customer. Who is your perfect customer? The person you most want to serve. The person who wants what you have, they can afford it. They're going to be a great customer to have. And be extremely detailed about who this person is. Create a persona for them. Number two, what is the problem they have? Most people don't want to spend money out of the blue for just anything. They have some need. They have some problem. How are they not being served? How are they being underserved? And what is your solution to that problem? They have this problem. How are you going to be the solution to that? And what is your core offer? What are you going to say you are offering as the solution to their problem in such a way that they would buy you instead of someone else or use something else or just keep putting up with the problem. Why? Number five, your elevator sales pitch. You got to get tight with this, obsess about this. You've got a few seconds to get someone's attention and make them interested enough to listen. You really do. So perfect and obsess over your elevator sales pitch. Number six, your product market fit. So this is getting to that sustainable state that you have a good product that's meeting a problem, customers are buying it, they're staying with you, they are being become repeat, they're becoming repeat customers, they're referring you to other people, you've got that product market fit, you've got a there there. And so that's related to number seven, making your customers happy. You've got to obsess about that. Number eight, building your email list. I've talked about this before, and I'll talk a little bit about this later. Uh, You don't want to be dependent on social media and search and ads all the time. Something I think is important as a solopreneur, number nine, how are you feeling? Do you like what you're building? Do you enjoy the work you're doing? Are you on the right track? And number 10, the lifestyle you're creating. So I was talking with a a friend of mine about many of these items. I mean, you should always be customer obsessed, but it is the only way your business will survive in the early days. You won't last long if you don't deliver value and make them happy. That's why it's so essential to fixate on who your ideal customer is and the problem that you can solve with what your business is offering. If you get all that right, selling feels easy. It feels easy easy to sell to people when you know you have something that can genuinely improve someone's life. Why would you keep it a secret? Why would you not offer it to help people? And when you have happy customers, you don't want to lose touch with them, right? Repeat business is critical. You don't want one and done customers. 
So don't let social media and web search and other companies come between you and them. That's why I want you to obsess over your email list. You want to have a direct connection with your customers and your potential customers. And the thing, you know, that I talked about this, the solopreneur business is it's so amazing that you get to design your lifestyle. You get to decide when you work, where you work, how you work. You can choose who you spend time with. You can choose who your customers are. And you can decide how hard you want to work. Do you want to work all, all during the week or do you want to take a couple of days off? Do you want to work two weeks and take a whole week? You can do whatever you want. This is your business. So I do want you to obsess over how you're feeling during the journey. Do you love what you're building? Are you on the right track? Is it giving you the kind of lifestyle you want? And I'm not just talking about the money. Everybody's like, yeah, lifestyle. I have a Lamborghini and a house with a pool. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the freedom and flexibility to live your life on your own terms, to enjoy how you're working, to feel like you're having a good life and time for your friends and family, time to exercise, time to go out and enjoy the world. All those things that I stress about, I stress over because I think they're so important. So there are some things you must do. I'm going to wrap up with that to run a functional business. So there are going to be a few things that overlap with what I just mentioned in the obsession list, but there are things you have to do to operate your business and get off to a good start. Number one, I'm going to recommend this for everyone. Talk with an accountant, talk with a lawyer, and see what's required for a new business where you live. Because it is very different here in California and the U.S. than it is in other places. Number two, you may need some legal agreements and contracts ready. You know, you could use LegalZoom or Rocket Lawyer or whatever or hire somebody to do it. Depending on the work you're doing, like if you're consulting with corporations, you're probably going to need a contract in place. You can't just do a handshake. Number three, you got to have someplace online where people can learn about your business and what you sell. Not a fancy website. Don't have to go overboard. There are free places to do this. You could have a Facebook page. You could just do an Instagram profile. You could do a LinkedIn business page. I don't care. Just have some place that when people say, can I learn more about your business or learn more about your services that you aren't always like, oh, let me see if I can tell you about that. You can just say, go check out this page. Go check out this website. Uh, number four, help potential customers discover you. If you build it, they will not come. That's not how it works. There's too much competition. So there's got to be some way to get the word out through marketing, maybe ads. Be careful. Don't run a lot of ads when you're just starting. You may not even have to run any ads. I rarely run ads. But you want people to find out who you are and discover you. They're not going to find your website out of the blue. Number five, have a way for potential customers to contact you. This seems obvious, but a lot of people never do this. And there's no way to reach you if they want to buy from you. Uh, number six, prepare your offer. Like what is it you're actually selling and create that pitch I was talking about. Have that pitch ready. Number seven, have a way to accept payments that's connected to a business bank account, not your personal bank account. And you may need multiple ways. I accept payments through Stripe, Venmo, PayPal. Sometimes I'm doing wire transfers with international companies. You name it. It's important. Have it ready. Uh, number eight, kind of critical. Deliver real value to your customers, right? If you don't, if you're not delivering value, if this isn't a great cycle of engagement, 
They're going to ask for a refund. They're going to say this person's terrible. They're going to leave you terrible reviews. They're not going to be a repeat customer. They're not going to send you business. So you got to deliver real value to your customers. It's important. And when they're happy, get those testimonials, get those reviews from your happy customers. That is social proof. That helps other people feel comfortable working with you, buying from you. And number 10, retain your customers. Be good to your loyal customers because repeat business is the lifeblood of a small business. And they will send you referrals. You want to get those referrals to grow your business. So as I said, I live in California. My experiences are quite different, I know already, from other U.S. states. And they are very different from other countries. I've talked with people in Germany, in Italy. Uh, I was talking with someone in the Netherlands. I mean, it's very different. There are strict regulations. There's different laws. There's different licenses you have to get to run a business, insurance. So take all this advice with a grain of salt and speak with a local accountant. Talk with a lawyer. They will help you navigate the legal requirements for starting and operating a business where you live. I don't want you to get in trouble. I don't want your business to be forced to shut down. Talk with an accountant and lawyer. And the items I just mentioned, those last 10, they are critical components of a sustainable business model. People have to know your business exists. They have to be able to contact you. They have to be able to buy from you. And you have to be able to accept payments. And I know that sounds silly. It sounds really obvious, but you'd be surprised by the number of new business owners who don't have an online presence. They have no way for people to learn more about them. They have not set up a new bank account for the business. You want to keep your finances separate between personal and business. They don't have any way to accept payments. And they're like, oh, I haven't thought about that. How can I accept payments from customers? It's important. Because they are going to ask you. People are going to ask you, and it was one of the first things I learned when I started my first business. Because people would say, oh, that sounds interesting. Where can I learn more about your services? Well, here's my website. How do I hire you? How do I buy from you? Oh, here's my product page. Here's my service page. Where do I make a payment? Here you go. Here's my Venmo. Get that stuff done. So if you get the basics right with your new business first, then you can focus on that obsession list because that's important to get your product market fit, to have a thriving customer base of excited and happy customers, and then reevaluate and deal with that first list later. That was the list I said, ignore it, don't worry about it now. Deal with it later when you're ready. After you're up and running, after your business is already operating smoothly and you're ready for that level of detail, now you're making enough money and you're growing Maybe you want to put a little more into your website. You know, maybe it is getting time to hire some contractors because you can't keep up with all the work that's coming in. That can be dealt with later. All right. And that was 10, 10, 10, 10 things to forget about, 10 things to obsess about, and 10 things you must do to unlock success for your new business. Hope that was helpful. And uh, if you have any questions, reach out. Go to newsletter.invinciblesolopreneurs.com. You can leave a comment. You can uh, get in touch with me. I'd love to hear from you.